afternoon. We're back with another edition of the Sean Mohoots podcast. I'm pleased to have a regular guest in Michael Weisenberg. Mikey, how are you doing today? Doing very well, Sean, or as well as I can be doing given these times. But uh, yeah, really excited to be back on the Sean Mohoots podcast. Well, I think uh, normally we'd be probably talking about the uh, upcoming McDonald's All-American game. That's usually on the Wednesday before the Final Four. And then uh, talking about the Final Four and could have been talking about the USA Basketball mini camp that goes on there as kind of the first uh, spring evaluation period. But uh, we are all, or most of us are now shelter in place and just watching a lot of either old games or video um, to pass the time. I know on, on HBO, uh, their documentary came out on uh, Christian Dawkins and the Michael Jordan documentary is going to be coming out soon. But in terms of staying with our regular college hoops, we were both looking at uh, Joe Lenardi's, I think, you know, the, the last mock bracket that that he had and wanted to go through kind of the teams you thought might be able to to make the final four and just have kind of one final uh, college basketball discussion before, before turning the page and, and talking some draft prospects. So I'm going to start with you, but, but um, you know, we can kind of go through who some of the teams are in the bracket, but curious who, who you think could have been playing in Atlanta this week. Yeah. So um, do you just want to go by, uh, I'll, I'll kind of get, go through the, the bracket region. and I'll, I'll list them. So we'll start in the, in yeah. the Midwest with uh, uh, Kansas. It goes Kansas, Kentucky, Duke, um, Wisconsin, Auburn, Iowa. I just want to go back and forth. Providence. Um, and then we get to the 8-9 of Houston Marquette with a 10-seed Arizona State and 11-seed East Tennessee State. Um, so I think a pretty, pretty – Strong, strong bracket that one would have been. Yeah, most definitely. And um, honestly, yeah, man, like a potential like Duke-Kentucky matchup in the Sweet 16. Um, yeah. So, definitely so who, really good bracket. Um, who, who would Kansas have been coming out of this one for you? So I, I was originally – like when I had set up thinking we were just going to go off of like uh, basically like final rankings or whatever, I had Kansas losing to somebody in this particular bracket. I, I think they still could lose, <laughs> but I, I'll take Kansas. I'm going to take Kansas. I feel like the other teams just kind of struggle a little bit with uh them inside that Duke Kansas game was so close at the beginning of the year, and I feel like Kansas was playing just at a really high level right now. Um, yeah, really good bracket. I'm sure there'll be some fantastic matchups. This like the the real downside of this tournament season was that we really didn't know who was going to win. Like this, this more than ever. Like you know. Ken Palm can usually kind of predict who the championship favorite is this year. They had Kansas number one right now, but um, yeah, it, it really would have been wide open, but I'll, I'll pick Kansas out of the Midwest. How about you, Sean? Um, this one, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going Kentucky, even though we don't know if Ashton Haggins was going to play anymore, but 
I think, you know, they had a mixture of freshmen and sophomores. Uh, Emmanuel quickly was, was playing very well. And I think Maxie could have gotten, gotten hot. And then, you know, they had Nate Sestina coming off the bench to go with, uh, Richard, Nick Richards, um, as well as EJ Montgomery a little bit. So I'm going to go, I'm going with Kentucky. I think Kansas probably would have faltered at some point, even though everybody is kind of crowning them as the most likely of champions and they had a great year, but uh, I think they would have uh, faltered somewhere perhaps in the sweet 16 to an Auburn team that was pretty talented and athletic. And I think in terms of uh, the bigger upsets, I would have taken East Tennessee state uh, as the 11 seed over Iowa um, you know, and that could have been a good matchup against Duke, but, you know, it easily could have been a rematch of what we saw at the beginning of the year with the Kansas Duke, um, elite eight, which I think everybody would have uh, loved, loved to have seen, but you're going with Kansas. I'm going with Kentucky on this one. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll stay on, uh, the left side of the bracket in the East where Dayton, uh, was the one seat with Florida state, the two seat. And then you have Villanova as a three um, with a potential four or five of Maryland and Butler. And then um, you have the six seed, okay, so six seed Penn State, seven seed West Virginia, and then your eight, nine Colorado, Florida, with your 10 of Utah State, which is interesting, um, as well as 11 playing game NC State, UCLA, neither very good team. And then 12 seed Texas Richmond uh, would probably have gone gone Richmond in that one. So on the East, uh, I know you said you'd like Dayton and Florida State. Are either one of those teams getting to the Final Four? I am taking Florida State. Mm -hmm. And I I know, like, Dayton, even when they've lost this year, like when they lost to Kansas, super close, um, they're a really good team. And I, like, they were honestly a team I, I could very much see being in the Final Four. I, I think it's kind of, like, crushing. And then Villanova was another choice. Like, it, it, so if I had to choose, like, my Final Four just from without a bracket in front of me, like, those are three teams I would have there. Um, but, yeah, it's, God, Florida State's got a really tough matchup there. But I just feel they're so – athletic they play good defense they have a little shooting um yeah i i just feel like it, it might have been their year to really make some noise in the tournament um i think this this side of the or this bracket would have been pretty weak um and and probably would have you know gotten gotten a lot of flack uh florida state uh you know a, a talented athletic team but uh, I don't think this was a the year they're going to be making the final four. I think they could have been going out to Utah state in the second round in Tampa. Um, you know, Dayton, I think they, they, they would have faltered at, at some point. Um, and I think I agree with you on, on Villanova. Uh, you know, I don't think they had the talent to win it this year, but I think they had a talent to put together some games, especially in, uh, you know, with some of the teams in this one. So I would have had uh, Villanova get into another another Final Four. Yeah, I, I think that they just had a the one the one thing with Villanova I would have loved to have seen, and I, I'm guessing injuries must have been at least a part of it. But Brian Antoine is a player that I think is going to be 
a really good college player next year if he gets a chance to really put it together. Um, super bouncy, athletic, can do things off the dribble. Uh, would I think a shoulder injury really kind of uh, put a stop to him having a big season. But he, uh, yeah, I, I just think it would have been interesting if they could have maybe unleashed him around this time as a, a possible depth option. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Sadiq, Sadiq Bay was playing really well. And it's, it's kind of funny. I was looking back at the Washington Post All-Mets, and I think he was actually – uh, third, third or fourth team all met. So, uh, you know, he, he really significantly improved from, um, you know, he, he had a really strong freshman year, um, shot the ball well, but to shoot 45% from the three point line and be the top, uh, percentage shooter in the big East at six, eight was, was pretty impressive. Um, and hard to believe that, I'm picking this team to go to the final four after watching them in their preseason against USC, a game, uh, a game they lost, uh, but a game that had uh, two potential lottery picks with Big O and, and Sadiq Bay that you might not have realized at, at that time back in, in uh, November. So obviously a lot, a lot can change over the season. Uh, so with that kind of going over to the, the West bracket, uh, Sweet 16, Elite 8 in Los Angeles with Gonzaga as the one, San Diego State as a two. Then you have Seton Hall, uh, Oregon, Michigan. Uh, so those are the four or five. And then going to six, you have BYU, a uh, very senior-laden team, uh, seven, Arizona, and then eight, nine of LSU and Oklahoma. Um, so a lot of talent from the West Coast. Um, I'm curious who you think might be uh, making out of here, if it's a West Coast team or or maybe an East Coast team making some surprises, or your very own Oregon Ducks? Yeah. Um, don't think this was Oregon's year, Sean. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't think it was their year, especially, you know, considering that uh, a very important player, Chris Duarte, um, was kind of coming back from injury and might not have been assured to play. It certainly would have been fun to see a Oregon-Michigan matchup again. I think Gonzaga legitimately was like a really good team this year. And um, a matchup I need to throw out that I would have loved to have seen is Seton Hall, BYU. I think they're both like really solid teams as well. But yeah, Gonzaga, like legitimately, their guards weren't incredible, but I I really like Joel Ayayi and thought he was like, you know, just a really solid guard and would have done well in the tournament. They're big men, seasoned. They, they're just all, you know, bring a little something to the table. Um, they have shooting. I, uh, I think Gonzaga would have come out of this West bracket. But, um, yeah, I, I know it's the front runner, but that, that's just my feeling looking at this bracket. Yeah, I think there would have been some some very good early, uh, early games. Um, I think, you know, in terms of, of looking at it, I would have had, um, I think, Gonzaga playing Seton Hall uh, in Staples Center. And I, I kind of want to lean Seton Hall, but I, I think I would have gone Gonzaga, uh, just given their size and Corey Kispert's shooting ability. You mentioned the guards, uh, both grad transfers, so Ryan Woolridge and uh, Gilder. 
Uh, and they, you know, they, they both played significantly better than they had previously Gilder at Texas A&M um, going back a year or so ago. And then uh, Woolridge, Woolridge at North Texas. So, you know, even though I think that was a little bit of a weaker spot, uh, love their, love their big men went, went three deep and then had one of the top, top shooters in the country and Corey Kispert and, and think they would have been, been ready to, uh, you know, potentially cut down, cut down the nets this year. Um, so I yeah. guess we're, we're in agreement on, on that one, which means we, we both definitely probably would have been wrong. Um, so <laughs> with, uh, no, <laughs> going, going to the final one, the South, you have Baylor as a one seed Creighton, ooh, Creighton as a two. Uh, I'm not sure how, um, Zagorowski's injury would have played into that. Then you have, yeah. um, then you have, let's see, three seed Michigan state, four seed Louisville, five seed Ohio state. Uh, six seed Virginia, and then you have a Illinois seven, um, and then the eight nine of St. Mary's Rutgers, which would have been, I think, a pretty entertaining game. Um, and then a ten seed USC is another another uh, Pac twelve school for you. So who who would you go with in this one? I'm going to guess it's not going to be Baylor. I am not going with Baylor. You are correct, sir. <laughs> um, Virginia making it back to the Final Four. Um, no, I, I'm, I'm going Michigan State. I, mm. you know, they, they had a lot of ups and downs, but, you know, Cassius Winston, David Tillman, um, I, I feel like they had some depth and I, I, some guys that would have stepped up, um, during this whole process, like, and been kind of rearing for the tournament. Tom Izzo always seems to have these guys ready, like Aaron Henry last year, you know, with the whole well, Tom Izzo, Aaron Henry thing, and then Aaron Henry just, like, breaking out during the tournament as well. Um, so, yeah, I would have them going back to the final four. Well, once again, we are in agreement, which means uh, they probably would have uh, perhaps got bounced by Bradley or or maybe Virginia would have <laughs> uh, gotten their revenge on them in the second round. But, um, you know, Virginia probably actually realistically would have got bounced by Cincinnati since they were horrific on offense this year. Uh, yeah. I think Louisville, Ohio State could have been a very entertaining game. And I think whoever won that one uh, would have taken Baylor down uh, to get to the Elite Eight. But I will agree with you on the Michigan State pick, um, a team that I thought was extremely overrated to, to start the year. But I think you know, a guy we talked about previously was Rocket Watts, who was a freshman, uh, you know, mm-hmm. end of the year, didn't, you know, didn't even have an offensive rating over 100 in Big Ten play, but ended the year, uh, four straight games with offensive ratings over 100 and four straight games of uh, 21, 13, 18, 19. So I think he could have been an athletic difference maker uh, for Michigan State. So I would add Michigan State, Gonzaga, and then uh, Villanova, Kentucky. So, you know, despite the lack of strength of college basketball, you know, four premier programs making it to the final four, which means uh, there probably would have been, you know, one or two big upsets, which I think going back last year, uh, the day before the tournament started, we did a podcast and I went big on the upsets and I I don't think there were many, many upsets at all. So, uh, you know, this year definitely would have been some upsets. Um, You know, I think, you know, if I had to go, what would be the lowest, you know, potentially Little Rock over Creighton um, as one? And, you know, I'm trying to see if, uh, yeah, actually, Hofstra Villanova could have been 
been entertaining um, as a 14-3, but, you know, maybe it's the uh, Belmont, you know, Belmont Duke. Uh, but I think a double-digit seed that would have done well is East Tennessee State. And then, uh, you know, from a 12-seed perspective, uh, perhaps it's Richmond if they're winning the playing game or maybe Stephen F. Austin who had a pretty pretty uh, strong run. But I think I would go Gonzaga over Michigan State, uh, Kentucky over Villanova, and Gonzaga for the championship. Yeah, so I would go with uh, Florida State over Kansas. And Gonzaga over Michigan State, and then uh, Gonzaga beating Florida State. Oof. Yeah. Man. So you could could have kissed Gonzaga's chances goodbye if we had done this uh, three weeks ago in an actual. Sure, uh, I'm sure it would have been the kiss of death, but at the same time, we'll never know. So. (laughs) Wait, so so who do you have Gonzaga beating? Florida State. So you you think Florida State would have beat Kansas? Yeah, I'm going with it. That's that's my choice, and I'm sticking to it. Fair enough. (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, Well, you know, hopefully we'll get to get to do this again again next year. Uh, But would have been fun, and would have been a a crazy crazy tournament. Uh, You know, I think the team I really would have wanted to see is Dayton, just in terms of, of. you know, could they beat some of these teams from the the power conferences? And you know, who was going to yeah. be the team that that got hot and 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 made a run? Um, so, you know, could have easily seen you know a, a seven seed. Uh, you know, looking at the seven seeds, maybe Arizona gets hot, but probably probably not. Given probably not, probably not. Um, <laughs> but that, you know, that Arizona Texas Tech matchup would be great. Yeah, that that would have been one of the more entertaining. Entertaining games. I still think uh, Utah State with Sam Merrill would would have uh, upset Florida State. So I guess that would be my, I disagree. Uh, my big, you my big upset. Disagree. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I think Winthrop could have given Baylor a game for for you know for a half before Baylor pulled away. But that one, you know, especially if they're they're hitting threes, and I do think Auburn could have uh, could have made a run. But th- you know, similar to 2019 Liberty could have given them a good a good test in the first round, and if they got past that, then they could have been uh, been flying and, and upsetting people left and right. Given I thought they had a lot of a lot of guard talent and wing talent, and then Austin Wiley in the post. So um, you know I had them to win the SEC tournament. Uh, unfortunately, that did not did not get to take place, but mm-hmm. uh, good a good what if. Um, so yeah. kind of wrapping up the college hoops talk obviously moving you know who's declaring and and who's staying in school and that seems like kind of a mess with uh you know who's regulated by the ncaa and nba teams not being able to have workouts and probably summer league and everything like that but uh with that i know uh as your twitter moniker states nba draft mikey v so uh you've been looking up some sleepers so wanted wanted you to bring up a few guys that had kind of crossed, uh, you know, crossed your mind and that you were, uh, you know, getting, getting more familiar with over, over these days. Yeah. These are just a few guys who I, I feel are a little like rated a little too low in um, the mainstream draft right now. 
and uh, guys who, who I could see being like reliable rotation pieces or possibly even more um, given circumstances. But yeah, just guys who I, I really think can get in there and be a really strong value pick over the long run. So give me, uh, give me the first one. I am going to give you Grant Riller, and he is out of College of Charleston. Um, just a really, really solid player. He um, has been like one of the best finishers in uh, college basketball, like around the rim for the last couple of years. Um, average 22 points per game. Uh, just around shot a little bit better this year from three shot a little bit better from the free throw line not like an outstanding three-point shooter but just really like when you peer into the numbers really closely he's good at so many different things on offense uh really good like running pick and roll um and just finishing around the the basket like he's pretty much like prolific and yes, he plays in the CAA. It's not the best conference. Uh, they actually got bumped out in uh, the first round of the tournament as well. Um, but he um, just really good scorer, has some serious basketball acumen as well. And um, not like the biggest guy, but he's pretty strong. And uh, yeah, have you seen Grant Riller at all and uh, have any thoughts? So he was a guy, I mean, uh, pretty interesting. So from a, a stat perspective was uh, 22 points, five rebounds, four assists, and ended up shooting the ball uh, 36% from three. And I think if you go back uh, early early in, in conference play, uh, so he wasn't the CAA player of the year, but he was first team and had a very strong three-year career. But I remember, you know, early on, and I think it was – January or maybe maybe even late December, he was shooting shooting around 28, 29% from three, and then uh, ended up shooting over 41% in conference play. Um, so everybody talked about his finishing ability and thought he had a pretty good, uh, you know, pretty good off the bounce, pretty good off the dribble, could get to the rim, as, as you said. Um, early on, the que- my question was shooting. Last year, he shot 33% from the season. Uh, once again, had a much better conference play in the CAA. And then even the year before that, he shot 41% from three. So, um, you know, shot 82% from the line. So his form was there, but once again, shooting was, was kind of a question mark, which he seemed to get a lot better at um, as the year went on. And I think probably could have, uh, you know, stuck snuck into the very late first round, um, maybe probably, early to, to mid second round. But once again, the CDA last year had, I think it was a few two way guys. And then uh, one, one player drafted potentially at the end of the second round, but, you know, um, definitely an interesting prospect and, and one that was supposed to be player of the year and, and still had a pretty good campaign. So they get to see him and it was definitely a fan of him. And more so once he started shooting the ball a little bit better. Yeah. I, and shooting is absolutely going to be key, but the fact that he can get to the basket and like just the, his craft and uh, ability to finish there is something that's really intriguing. So you went, 
he went low major um, with Charleston. So who, who are some of the other guys that you've been, been looking at? Um, another guy who I, I just feel is a bit underrated by, you know, the mainstream draft right now. And had his struggles to an extent, like, with anything involving dribbling. But somebody that I, I really like and think he could end up being, like, a, a solid utility wing, um, with maybe even some upside beyond that, is uh, Josh Green out of Arizona. And really good athlete. Um, from everything I've seen, very solid work ethic. Um, like a, a good, like kind of get passer as well. And, uh, just think he, he brings like some wing acumen to a team. The dribble, like his game off the dribble is something that he'll definitely need to work on. But I, I think even so, like he, he shoots really well off of the catch and, uh, is a really like, I, I've always liked him as a defender. I think he has great feet and just, really good laterally. So, um, yeah, Josh Green is the guy that I think uh, has dipped maybe a little bit too low in uh, draft boards that I see. So 12 points, four and a half rebounds, two and a half assists, um, shot the ball 36% from behind the three-point line, you know, coming into Arizona, good size, 6'5", listed at 6'6". Pretty athletic, could could really get up, especially off off of one foot. Uh, and, you know, for, for the most part, you know, he had some, some good games and was kind of coming on, uh, in the second half of the, the Pac-12 last game against Washington, he had, uh, 19 points, um, but had had some, you know, struggles, uh, you know, kind of throughout. So it was kind of up and down, up and down season. Um, and for him, I guess first got to see him at basketball without borders, um, even though he'd been playing in America and, played at IMG and was very well known. Uh, so I think his athleticism definitely is, is a fun thing to watch and shooting wise, you know, I think uh, 36% definitely not bad, but a ways, a ways to improve on, on that. And I think very comfortable from kind of 15 to 17. So probably was, was working his way up to, you know, continue to get more comfortable from the, the college three point line and, and then the NBA three point line. And, I think a guy that definitely won't make a mark as a as a rookie would probably get some some G League time, but I think a guy based on his athleticism, um, you know, maybe in a, a year or two could be uh, could definitely be making making a mark in the NBA. Yeah, I I agree with that. I I think that it would likely take him time. I, I'm just kind of comparing him to the rest of the guys in this draft, and uh, I think it's going to take a lot of them quite a bit of time and um i think with what you could potentially get from green as you know kind of uh that catch and shoot and then providing the athletic tools the passing and then the defense i i think he could end up being a a solid role player in given time yeah, and I think it, you know a lot of it was expected out of him and, and Nico Mannion, and it uh, would have been interesting, especially to watch them in the tournament to see if they were able to to get things going. But um, so we kind of got two, you know, two um, two guards on there. Um, so I'm curious, who else is on your list? 
from DePaul, I have Paul Reed, and he is that guy that fills up the defensive statute, just makes a lot of things happen there. Um, he's a really solid shot blocker, uh, moves really well for a guy his size. The shot looks like just isn't aesthetically pleasing, but um, he seems to at least take some and make a few. Um, shot 77% from the foul line as a sophomore, shot 73.8% this year. Um, really good on the boards as well. He, DePaul started off the season really well, and I think they kind of lost their luster once they got into conference play. <laughs> but yeah, his like block and field percentages are pretty much off the charts for a big guy. Um, and I, I think he could be potentially a intriguing uh, piece as, as a, a big in the NBA, um, especially given the fact that, you know, he could uh, guard potentially multiple positions. Yeah, I think uh, we could go back to December, and I believe in our buy-sell, I was buying to Paul based on Paul Reed and Charlie Moore and a lot of their talent, and then they went and did what DePaul does best and went 3-15 and 15, uh, in in Big East play. So definitely disappointing once, once New Year's uh, came around. And for the most part, Paul Reed had some pretty good games. He had a few duds in there, but uh, was fairly consistent. As you mentioned, really strong uh, rebounder as well as shot blocker, steals. So, you know, he uses his 6-9 ability very well. Um, struggled from the, the three-point line, only making eight three-pointers during conference play. And I think he's another guy that will definitely be intriguing, especially when you kind of get to the mid to late lottery. Uh, I'm sorry, not lottery, but kind of mid to late first round. Um, and I think for him, once similar to Green, he is, uh, I don't know, probably two years away of kind of making an impact, I think in the NBA, but I think he is a guy that once he figures it out could be pretty, pretty impactful. Uh, I'd say the, the main worry right now is that uh, he's a little just kind of, I don't know if awkward is the right, right word, but um, you know, you, you see his size, he runs, but still needs just a little bit more kind of fluidity um, I would say. And, and there's still kind of some, a little bit of stiffness in him uh, when I did watch him play, but you know, still a very good athlete that's very long and is definitely the type of body that NBA executives would love. Yeah, and also really young for class, too. So that that could play a part in it as well. But, yeah, I still can't believe DePaul went 3-15 uh, and 15 despite, know, man, considering despite the some of the talent, the talent they had. Um, and then, you know, another guy who I hope sticks around for a year, I know was getting a lot of – early draft love but is Romeo Weems who yeah you know I think was just a little too maybe frail for for college and uh you know still also trying to find his role with a senior senior laden team and had some good games such as at Georgetown but for the most part was you know only getting four to five shots a game and uh you know didn't didn't really make an impact like a lot of people thought he would um, once again mm-hmm. under a 100 offensive rating. But I think if he sticks around and is kind of the, the man next year, could definitely, 
could definitely uh, see a lot of improvement for him. Yeah, I, I, and I think with him too, it's just kind of like a freshman being able to be a freshman. And uh, I like with a lot of these guys, they just always assume that they're just kind of one and done. And he was put in that category because of his defensive prowess and with his ability to do some things on offense as well. But um, yeah, I, I think with that extra year, we could be talking about a guy who moves way up to that board as well. Also. So I know you have kind of one other guy you want to talk about, but, uh, but speaking of guys that could be better in their second year. So I want to get your thoughts on uh, Matthew Hurt from Duke, who was coming in uh, definite one and done five-star, um, you know, top, forget exactly what his rank, but kind of top 10, 15 player. And, you know, I, I feel from, Watching the game, struggled to make an impact. Uh, was definitely, you know, same thing I saw at the U18 tryouts was he was kind of relegated to being a spot-up shooter because he wasn't athletic enough to beat anybody off the dribble and not strong enough to, um, you know, kind of take any any type of pounding. And, you know, especially I remember specifically some of the, the games against North Carolina where – you know, the second game he played nine minutes, didn't score, which was the last game he played. Uh, Virginia, once again, zero points, trying to uh, uh, do anything against Diakite. Uh, but when you do look at his his numbers, uh, he had a 122, almost 123 offensive rating and ended up shooting 39% from the arc and 57% from two. I'm curious your thoughts on him. If you think, you know, he decides to test early or does he come back and, you know, does he get a little stronger and can kind of show what a lot of people in high school saw? So I'm curious your thoughts on him. Yeah. I I think if he comes back, he'll have a really solid year. Like I, he was always the guy that just whenever I, I got to see him a few times, in uh, high school, and whenever I would see him, he was a bucket. Like he was just scoring, and he could. He had like that nice touch, like near the basket. Um, it wasn't like beating anybody off the bounce or anything like that, but could put it on the floor a bit and like you know score the occasional like you know kind of float shot, um, and just really solid shooter. Also, uh, Hoop Summit, he was one of the best guys during the week like as far as just scoring consistently um he pretty much obliterated uh Jaden McDaniels in their matchup during the um scrimmage in practice um also when I saw him at USA minicamp in uh 2018 was excellent also um I, I agree that I, I'm not sure what to think of him as an NBA prospect this year, and he definitely didn't live up to the high ranking. But I, I think there there were still some flashes, and you, you know what you're getting from him. You're, you're getting a scorer, and you're getting a shooter. And, um, yeah, I, I think if he gets a chance to put on a little more, like, uh, to his frame, then he could have a, a really strong uh, sophomore season. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens uh, with him, but we'll, we'll switch it back to you in terms of the one of the last guys you wanted to bring up. Yeah, um, I have 
two. Do you just want me to do the one? No, you can do. Well, I think you have one more plus the the, the European, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, the next one I have is uh, Tyler Bay from oh, yeah. Colorado. He's the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year uh, with a absurd. It was an I think eighty-five point seven defensive rating. So like. Crazy so, so how much stock rating. do you put into the defensive ratings? I mean, I put a lot of stock in the offensive ratings, but yeah. how much do you put into the defensive ones? Like, not not a crazy amount, but you you just saw the defensive value they had and his ability to defend multiple positions, his steal and block percentage, for instance, also. But it, it just it's crazy that it was that low. <laughs> That's the one thing. Like, where, where it's, like, just off the charts low and you're playing that many minutes, like it's really cool um and yeah like his net rating was absolutely absurd um and he really he improved a bit as a shooter this year as well so you saw the possible utility there um still kind of needs to work Mm -hmm. on some things offensively but uh solid athlete was a really good rebounder in college as well and um just Kind of the obvious comparison that people make is uh, Andre Roberson. And I think Tyler Bay was well ahead of him um, as an offensive player. So there, there's a chance maybe for more upside as a shooter and you potentially can't just leave off, like leave him in the corner like uh, many teams would do with Andre Roberson. Um and it, it was funny because the guy that, you know, they bring up Andre Roberson. I remember the Colorado game I went to against Oregon this year. The scout that I saw there was from Oklahoma City, and I didn't see many other ones. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you, you got him right in that mold. And uh, I think he, he might go – there's a chance he's late first, but if he's a second-round pick, like, that's a solid guy we're taking a shot on. Well, I mean, what when you, when you did see him in person, you know, what what were your thoughts in terms of who he guards in the NBA? I think he can guard either forward spot, um, and yeah, I, I just think that he moves his feet really well. It was really tough to score on him for a while. Like th- there was a point in that game where Oregon uh, didn't score for seven minutes and fifty five seconds, and that wasn't all Tyler Bay. Um, I actually think there there was a portion where he, he didn't play, but and part of that was just Oregon. But yeah, like you just saw the defensive presence that he had there, and uh, his ability to move his speed, his strength, um, his instincts on that end, and uh, so yeah, I, I think he can ha- brings a little versatility as far as uh, defense goes. Where where do you think he will end up uh, end up going in the draft boards? Uh, I'm, I think there is a chance that he's late first because he's a really strong athlete and um, you, you see the potential there um, as a defensive forward. Um, and, like, you know, I think that he could be like a one of those small ball fours and possibly move to the three at times. Um, I'm guessing – He's a second-round pick on most boards before the draft. 
And then the other thing is, I'm not sure, like, it's going to be tough to know how these guys are moving up. <laughs> like, we don't have, like, any rumors of workouts or anything like that, like, in the combine or any of those things. So, yeah, like, I wonder if he's a guy that possibly gets put into that category of being, like, the early, early second, like, mid-second kind of guy. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point of, uh, you know, without the workouts, uh, how much will the drafts be changing since it'll all be on, uh, you know, kind of talking to different different teams and getting their their overall opinions, which, uh, you know, especially if they don't move the draft will be will be interesting. So we'll kind of wrap it up with um, uh, one more player from from that you've been studying uh, going overseas across to Europe. So. Who, uh, who, who's been kind of intriguing you lately? So he would be one of the, like he was born uh, end of December of 2001. So th- there's a chance he doesn't enter, but he's getting quite a bit of buzz and he's absolutely a draft Twitter favorite and somebody I've been really intrigued by. His name's um, Alexei Pokashevsky. And right now he is playing with, uh, he's playing, his rights are with Olympiacos, but he plays in the second division. He's basically done nothing in Euroleague or in any higher division. But, and yes, this is like one of a kind, but Giannis also played in the Greek second division as well. Not saying that he's Giannis, but he moves very, very well. He's seven feet tall. Um, there are just some like glimpses of him shooting off of movement as well. His handle in the open floor looks good. He's very, very fluid for his size. And, um, you know, has some nice touch, good passer, and um, has been, like, a really good rim protector at times as well when he's played uh, in youth competition. Um, He needs to add, like, a significant amount of weight, and he's another one of those guys who – uh, would take a little bit of time before he likely contributes in the NBA. But if you work with him and, you know, take your time, this could be a guy who has as much upside as anybody that I've listed. So where, where do you think he could end up going? I'm guessing mid to late first, just because I, I think this is a draft where you maybe – shoot for the moon with some of these players and uh you know there everybody talks about how it's not like a super top heavy draft and how it's solid in the middle but even even the guys i named they're not like likely stars they're they're likely solid role players this guy has as much of a chance as any of them to be like a really solid like beyond a solid player. Um, and I would say he, uh, at the very least, if you're taking him there, he'll have some value. And he, um, I think, yeah, like even like some possible trade value because he's super intriguing due to his combination of agility, shooting, and um, defense and and even like some ball skills at his size. 
All right. Well, definitely some some names to watch from the from the Pac-12 all the way over to to Greece. Um, and I think we'll definitely be able to discuss a lot more once you know some of the people declare and once uh, you know you could say the draft gets into the swing of things. But it is looking uh, like it'll be very interesting, um, kind of spring and summer from from that perspective. So you know with that. Um, you know, good to talk college hoops. Uh, I wish we were still talking about it or talking about some of the upcoming 2021 high school guys, but we'll be reduced to uh, to video on that one. Um, and actually, was looking at some good synergy stats this this uh, just today from AU play. So I'm going to throw out some numbers to you. Maybe next time, next time we chat, and we can talk about some of the guys that'll be coming into uh, school next year as well. Yeah, that'd be great. I, I'm trying to keep my eye out for uh, 2021 high school guys. And I think next year's draft is going to be fascinating, really interesting stuff. Um, and some like more exciting players, I'd say, at the top than this year's draft. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, all year it hasn't been uh, that thrilling to talk about some of the the top guys but at the same time it has been interesting to see some of the guys Sadiq Bay, Devin Vassell, um, Naismith that have definitely increased their their uh, draft stock by by how they played during during the college year. So um, you know with that, thank you for coming on and looking forward to having some future discussions with you. So stay safe up in in Portland and talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Sean. Great no problem. problem.